Well, good morning, Unionville Alliance Church. So glad that you can be with us today. And for those that are watching online, thanks for connecting with us online. And if you're watching during the week, thanks for uh, connecting with us. And we hope that you have been uh, enjoying and being challenged by this series on discipleship. And so uh, we've been looking at this discipleship pathway, as you can see the three different sections. And the three words that we've been focusing on is? Be, grow, Make. Maybe I need to do it like with the children, you know, when they come to the front and say, repeat after me in the count of three. So in the count of three, one, two, three. Be, grow, and make. So today we're going to focus on making disciples. But before that, let's go back to these three different sections that we talked about. The first section is to be a disciple. And to be a disciple is what? Is to be with Jesus, right? Spend time with him. Grow uh, to, to be with him. Then the second part is to grow as a disciple, and to grow as a disciple is to become like Jesus, and that's what we looked at last week. And, and I want to reiterate as well that none of these messages are standalone messages. This message is not a standalone message. This message is connected to last week, which is connected to the week before. So if you missed the last two, I would encourage you to go back and listen to those two, because today won't make sense if you don't listen to one and two, right? So this is not a standalone. It's all connected together. By the time we finish this, it's going to be one two-hour long segment. Okay, that you could just listen all together and hopefully it'll make sense. The third part, which we're going to look at today, is to make disciples. And to make disciples is to what? Is to do what Jesus did. Okay, so on the count of three, we're going to try this. Okay, we're going to go through all three. Just, you can just read exactly what's in the slide. Okay, on three. One, two, three. Be a disciple is to be with Jesus. Grow as a disciple is to become like Jesus. Make disciples is to do what Jesus did. And so you take all of those three, and then we get this definition of what a disciple is. A disciple of Jesus is someone who spends time with him, becomes like him, and does what he does, right? Oftentimes, we might get stuck just in the first one or even in the second one, and we don't progress forward into this third one, which is really critical and important, Okay, now you take this definition and I give you even a simpler one, and that is a disciple is an apprentice of Jesus. And if you're an apprentice of something, if you're an apprentice to an, to an electrician or an apprentice to a plumber or an apprentice to some sort of trade, you are with that person, you are trying to become like that person, and then ultimately you are trying to do what that person does, right? And then you become that apprentice, which can then in turn apprentice other people. Now, this is challenging and this is difficult, and that's why we said that if we desire the life of Jesus, if we want to experience the life of Jesus, we have to adopt what? The lifestyle of Jesus, right? We have to be, it's, it's not something, as I gave you the illustration a couple of weeks ago, I can't just get on the piano and all of a sudden just start to play and think, I'm going to be the best piano player ever. No, right? If I desire the lifestyle of a, of a good piano player, then I need to put in that practice. And that's why it's not, that, not for us just to be able to think, okay, I want to be holy, I want to be holy, I want to be holy, so tomorrow I'm going to be holy. It doesn't work that way, right? There are practices that we put in place in our lives that help us to be with Jesus, to grow with Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. Right now we have almost a little more than 30 people that are journeying on Tuesday nights in a prayer practice to be able to put prayer into practice in their lives, to live that out 
on a daily basis. Now, when Jesus talked about making disciples, one thing I want to tell you right off the bat is that there was no bait and switch with Jesus. It wasn't come and follow me and I'll bless you and I'll take care of you and I'll do all sorts of good things to you. And then at the end, he was just like, oh, and can you also make some disciples as well? It wasn't like that. Jesus, right from the beginning of his ministry till the very end of his ministry, made it very plain and clear what it means to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus is not following Jesus so that we can receive some blessings and and have some good time and everything will be nice and good in our lives. That's not what he said. If you look right at the beginning when Jesus calls some of his disciples, and we read this, Gladys read this for us uh, today, and this is slightly a different version, but it says this in Matthew 4, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, right? There was no bait and switch with Jesus. It wasn't come and follow me and I will bless you and I'll make your life really good and I'll do great things for you. And then at the end of Jesus's ministry when he gave the great commission, it's like, oh, can you also make some disciples? No. Right from the beginning when Jesus called people to follow him, he gave them an explicit purpose. What was that purpose? To do what? To become? We might not like it, but this is what he said right from the beginning. To become? Fishers of men. If I dissect this, this phrase here, follow me, it's to be a disciple, it's to be with Jesus. And I will make you is to grow as a disciple, it is to become like him. And the fishers of men part is to do what Jesus did, is to make disciples. Jesus said this right at the beginning, this is Matthew chapter 4, right at the beginning of his ministry. Jesus says, this is the purpose of following me. If you're going to follow me, this is what I want you to do. Jesus didn't give, paint some nice picture for us and say, if you follow me, I will do all these amazing and wonderful things for you, and this and that will happen to you, and all of these things. Oh, and then at the end, if possible, guys, can you also please make some disciples so that this can propagate and continue forward? No. Right at the beginning, Jesus gives this command. Jesus give, makes it very clear from the calling right? It's, it's not written in like little print, you know, sometimes, you know, if you're, if you're online, how many know you make a subscription to something, you sign up for an account, and then you got to read all the terms and conditions? How many people read all those terms and conditions, right? Probably not. You just go all the way down and just hit accept, right? This is, Jesus didn't do that for us. He didn't put this in fine print. He didn't go footnote number three. Oh yeah, make disciples. No. He said it right from the beginning. He made it very clear from the onset. This is what I'm calling you to do is to make disciples, is to be fishers of men. There's no bait and switch here. This is what Jesus wants us to do. And so this is part of the Great Commission. The Great Commission that Jesus calls us to is to make disciples, right? We read this in Matthew chapter 28, okay? In Matthew chapter 28, so we looked at Matthew chapter four, Jesus is calling his disciples to do what? Make disciples, to be fishers of men. All the way at the end, Matthew chapter 28, Jesus dies, he rises again, he is getting ready to leave, and he gives this commission and this commandment to the disciples. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples. It's not go and live a comfortable life. Go and I will bless you because now I've taken care of everything for you. It's go and make disciples. If we call ourselves followers of Jesus, and if you're here and you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, he's calling us to make disciples. 
And if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're just exploring Christianity or exploring the Christian faith, thank you, first of all, for being here. We'd love to, uh, to connect with you and help you along this journey. But I want to tell you right from the front, there's no bait and switcher. This is the calling of Jesus. This is what Jesus wants us to do. Uh, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Friends, if I can ask you this question, and I'm gonna ask you this question at the end, but I want you to take some time to reflect on this. If you reflect on your journey with Jesus, maybe it's one year, maybe it's five years, maybe it's 10 years, maybe it's 20, 30, or 40 years, how many disciples have you apprenticed to Jesus? How many disciples have you apprenticed to Jesus? Because that's what he's calling us to do. That's what he called his disciples to do. That's what he calls us to do. That's part of what this, this great commission is. I want to share with you four things about this great commission that I think are significant for us in making disciples. The first thing is this. Jesus' commission to make disciples is for pastors. Right? Jesus' commission to make disciples is for Daniel, is for Leonor, is for Justin. Is that what, this, what, it, what it's about? No. Jesus' commission to make disciples is for everyone. It's not for some people in, you know, that have the title pastor. It's for you and for me. I'm not exempt either. But Jesus' commission is for everyone. Look at what he, what he tells uh, his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. So we saw Matthew chapter 4. We saw Matthew chapter 28. Right in the middle here, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said to the disciples, look at what he says, whoever wants to be my disciple. The invitation's open. If you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, this was actually very countercultural for Jesus' days. So normally in that, in that time, in the, in, the, in the first century, you would have rabbis that would apprentice people underneath them. For example, if you read later on in the book of Acts, we read a little bit about Paul and how he was an apprentice to the rabbi Gamaliel, right? And how he learned under the, the feet of Gamaliel. He was, he was, a, he was a, a, an excellent student, and at that time in the first century, if you wanted to apprentice with a rabbi, it was like an exclusive club. It was like getting into like a, an Ivy League university or a very special program if you wanted, because the rabbis would only select certain people to apprentice with them. Jesus comes and blows the gates wide open and says, whoever wants to follow me, anyone who wants to follow me, this was radical for its day, because the invitation is open to all. If you want to follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. And if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. Whoever loses their life for, life for me will find it. This was radical for its day. But the invitation is open to each and every person. Why are we following Jesus? Some people during Jesus' day followed Jesus for the good food. Some people followed Jesus for the healings and miracles that he did. Some people followed Jesus because of the blessings that he gave to them. But Jesus made it very clear right from the beginning that if you want to be my disciple, you're going to have to lay down your life and take up your cross and follow me. I know this is not always the easiest thing to hear, 
but I'm just sharing with you the truth of Scripture and the truth of the Word of God, which sometimes is difficult for us to take and even more difficult for us to actually do. And so the command here is to make disciples, apprentice others to Jesus. And the invitation is open to each and every person. You don't need to be a special student. You don't need to have some special qualification. You don't have to be from a particular ethnic background. You don't have to be from a particular gender. You don't have to be from a particular socioeconomic status. The invitation is open to everyone. Come and follow me. The second thing is that Jesus' commission to make disciples is preceded by being and becoming. Right? We talked about these three sort of in the circle here. Be a disciple is to be with Jesus. Grow as a disciple is to become like him. Jesus' commission to make disciples is preceded by being and becoming. He wants us first, before we even get to the step, the step of making disciples, he wants us to be with him and he wants us to become like him. It's so important. In, uh, in Mark chapter three, when Jesus was, was calling the disciples to himself, look at what he says. He says, he appointed 12 that they might first, what? Be with him and that he might send them out to preach. The first thing was to be with him. He wanted them to spend time with him so that he could teach them that they would grow as disciples, as followers of Jesus. Then he would send them forth to, to preach. So friends, I don't want us also to get caught up in just sticking at stage one for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. We can't stay at that stage and say, I'm just gonna be with Jesus. I'm good with that. There's more to this circle than just being with Jesus. And we can't just stay stuck at stage two and say, I'm gonna, I wanna grow. I, I think I need to grow more, I need to grow more. And we don't get to the part about making disciples. We have to continue to grow till that part of making disciples. Number three, Jesus' commission to make disciples is cross-cultural and countercultural. Right? This commission that Jesus gives to go and make disciples of all nations, he says, uh, it, it's said a little bit differently in Acts chapter 1. Look at what it says here in Acts chapter 1. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, where? Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, now it's getting cross-cultural here, in Samaria, and to the ends of the world. I want to say, because here, within our own context here at Unionville Alliance Church, we are a multi-ethnic church. I love the fact that we are represented by so many different ethnicities and cultures here, and I think this is a beautiful picture of heaven, where the nations and tongues and, and, and all types of people will be worshiping at the throne of God. And I want to encourage you that Jesus' commission and his commandment to us to make disciples is cross-cultural. That requires us to step outside of ourselves and outside of our own comfort zone to reach others. It's not just about us reaching the people that look like us or the people that come from the same ethnic background as us. Jesus' commission is cross-cultural. It's something that extends beyond us. So I want to encourage you, after the service today... Don't just go and talk to the same people that you always talk to. Don't just go and talk to the same people that maybe are representative of the same ethnic group that you're part of. But can you start in a small step and maybe go and talk to somebody that looks a little bit different than you, that comes from maybe a different country than you come from, 
that comes from a different ethnic background that you come from. It's the beauty of us being in a, in a multi-ethnic church that helps us to obey the commandment of Jesus to go into all of the nations in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. That was a huge step for the Jews there. Go to Samaria? What? Take the gospel to Samaria? And into the ends of the earth. Jesus' commandment is, is cross-cultural. Jesus' commandment, particularly for our day and the culture that we are here in Toronto, in Canada in particular, is very countercultural as well. In the, in the culture that we live in, it's, it's looked down upon for you to share your faith with other people. It's looked down upon where you, don't want, you want to respect the, the, the faith background of other people. And I'm not saying anything contrary to that. We do want to respect other people from whatever background, whatever faith they come from as well. But we also have something within us that is so important and wonderful that if it has changed us and transformed us, we want to be able to share that with others. And that's very countercultural for our day to day. Here's a few stats from, from the Barner group that they did just a few years ago. I'll read a couple of them. Almost all practicing Christians believe that part of their faith means being a witness about Jesus, ranging from 95 to 97% among all generations. That's a pretty high percentage, right? Pretty high percentage of people believe that witnessing and sharing about their faith is really important. How many people here you think, are you part of that 95 to 97% or maybe you're part of the three to 5%? How many people here believe that sharing your faith is really important? To others, sharing your hope in Jesus is really important, right? I think most of us fall within that. Then, the best thing that could ever happen to someone is for them to know Jesus. That's another 94 to 97% of people, practicing Christians, believe that. How many here, do you believe that? That if your friend, if your family member, your son, your daughter, your uncle, your aunt, your cousin, your whoever it might be, if they were to come to saving faith in Jesus, that would be absolutely amazing, right? Do you agree? So those two statements in and of itself, okay, we're really good about that. But look at number three here. Almost half of millennials, 47%, agree at least somewhat that it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will one day share the same faith. That's staggering to me. Is it staggering to you? Because this goes totally against the Great Commission. If we're to say, no, I shouldn't share my faith with someone else. Oh, I believe that if I share my faith, it would be absolutely transformational. It would be so amazing if they came to know Jesus. It would radically change their lives for the good if they came to know Jesus, but not through me. Does it make sense? Oh, it would be so amazing because their life would be changed, not only in this world, but for all eternity, they would enjoy the loving presence of Jesus and the radical transformation that Jesus can bring to their life. It would be so great. Just use somebody else, not me. This is, this is surprising, but this is why the message of the Great Commission is counter-cultural, particularly the culture that we live in right now. Number four, and hopefully this, hopefully this fourth one will be able to help you if you're thinking to yourself right now, Daniel, I can't do this. How, what are you, you're telling me I've got to make disciples. How am I supposed to do this? Well, Jesus' commission to make disciples is accomplished how? With the promise of his presence, that you are not alone in doing this. 
If you look back in Matthew chapter 28 at the Great Commission, the ending of the Great Commission says this, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you always, even till the end of the age. This is the promise of Jesus' presence with us. You are not alone. You don't need to do this alone. As we talked about before, that all of these things we're talking about is done in community, and next Sunday we're going to focus all about community and how being a disciple, growing as a disciple, and making disciples is all done in community. You're not alone. So here's the question. How do I do this, right? How did Jesus make disciples? And then in turn, how do we make disciples. And I want to share with you four things, and I get this from a book called Disciple Shift. I've changed the words around a little bit so that I hope is a little bit more uh, understandable for us. But to see four things that Jesus did, and how do we also follow in the footsteps to make disciples as Jesus made disciples? Four words, I think, that are very simple and hopefully easy for us to understand, and hopefully even more importantly, easy for us to put into practice. The first thing is to share, okay? Sharing is so important. Sharing the love of God sharing the goodness of God, share a meal with others. If you look at Jesus's strategy to actually make disciples, it wasn't some elaborate strategy. You know what it was? Hey, can I come to your house and eat with you? Hey, do you want to come over here and you want to eat with us? Hey, let's share a meal together. I was so blessed a few weeks ago. Uh, one one uh, lady that's been in our church for, for many years shared with me how on Sundays now she makes a meal on Sunday morning and then she comes to church and is with eagle eyes, is looking around to see somebody who she can invite to come home with her and her husband to have a meal together. Somebody new, somebody that she doesn't know. Isn't that amazing to be able to do that? Share the love of God. Share a meal together. There's a famous quote by, by Gandhi that says this. Uh, oh, let me, read this, let me read this verse first. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Just share with others. Share the love of God with others. Share a meal with somebody. Just share your life. This is what Jesus did. Jesus' strategy for reaching the lost was, hey, come and dine with me. Come and eat with me. Can I come over to your house? Hey, Zacchaeus, can you come down from the tree? I'm going to come over to your house. Let's have a meal at your house. And he went and he had a meal at Zacchaeus' house, and Zacchaeus was completely changed and transformed. This was Jesus' strategy. Share the love of God. Let's be reflective of Jesus' love. The world will know that we are his disciples if we have that, that love. Gandhi said this. He said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Is that true for us? That they can see maybe the love of Jesus, but maybe they don't see it actually in us because we're not willing to share we're not willing, willing to, to share of our lives with others. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the famous theologian, said this, if your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. The way that you live our li- your life, the way that I live my life, should cause unbelievers to say, wow, I actually think there is a God because of the way that they live their life. A number of years ago, I was uh, pastoring a church in New York City, and uh, during that time, I had a number of our, our youth and our young adults that were living very busy lives, and it was very difficult for them even to come on Sundays for church, and a number of them were actually working at Burger King, um, and they would work the evening shift at Burger King, and Burger King would close down around 11 o'clock. So you know what I did? Uh, I would go around 11 o'clock to Burger King when it was closed, and they would let me in, and I would stay and I would chat with them. I would just spend time with them. We would eat together. As they cleaned up, as they were finishing off their shift, 
I just spent some time with them. I, I just shared life with them. And one of those guys, we'll call him John, not his real name. Uh, one of those guys, he was really impacted by that. And I'll tell you the rest of his story as I go through these next three points. The next thing, so first thing is share. Number two is connect, right? Let there be a point of connection. When Jesus shared his life with others, when he shared the love of God, when he shared meals with others, then he connected with them in small groups, right? And this is what we're doing actually during this month. A lot of you signed up to be part of a, a life group, to be part of a small group so that you can actually connect one with another. And I want to encourage you that if you're not in a life group, it's so critically important that you are journeying together with other people. God, Jesus did not want us to do this life by ourselves. He wants us to journey together in community where there is trust and where there's vulnerability and where there is support and prayer one for another. And the people within our group should be able to speak into our lives as well, even difficult things that we might not want to hear, but if we build a community of people around us that are able to speak into us, Jesus spoke some pretty hard things to his disciples. He spoke some pretty hard things to Peter. And so we want you to be able to connect in community that way. One of the things that we're going to be doing in January is that we're going to be starting a church-wide mentorship program. Because maybe for some people, um, getting together in a small group can be a little bit intimidating as well. And we also see and, and realize the need and seeing the example of Jesus for one-on-one -on -one mentorship as well. And so we're going to be looking to launch a, a church-wide mentorship program in January. And if you're interested, I would love for you to connect with, with Pastor Leonor. If you want to be a mentor or if you uh, want to be mentored by someone. It's so important, maybe you're wondering and you're saying, hey, I've never actually been mentored by somebody. Well, maybe that might be the missing link in actually helping you to follow through in this discipleship pathway. Because it's so important for us to be able to journey with someone else, to journey with a group of people as well. I wanna encourage you to be able to connect. Look at what happened in the early church in the book of Acts. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. A couple of verses down, it says, they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And so I want to encourage you, if you've never been mentored before, maybe you need a mentor. Maybe if, you, if, if you're a little bit further along in your journey and you want to be able to share your life with others and be a blessing to somebody else that's maybe newer to the faith, you can be a mentor to someone. And that's really important for us as we journey in our spiritual, spiritual pathway. And so this young man that I told you about, John, and he was working at Burger King, we were able to, to share life together, and then he wanted to connect. And so uh, I was able to apprentice him. I was able to mentor him in, in, in different ways for, for some time. And I was able to spend time with him in a mentoring relationship and he was able to, in that time to be able to discern God's will and God's purposes in his life. And I'll keep telling you the story. But number three is to serve. Jesus called the disciples to, to be with him and then he sent them forth uh, to serve as well. Serving is so important. Again, we looked at that as we studied the word apprentice. That an apprentice can be with the person that they're trying to learn from. They can grow and become like that person. But if they never actually do what they learn from their master or learn from the person that they're studying under, then that's, not, that's no good either. And so to be able to, to serve is really critical and important. And God takes us on a journey in serving as well. We grow in that, in that time of, uh, of serving. Look at in the early church, uh, a man named Stephen. 
There was a time when they were actually serving tables and they were trying to give food to those that, did, that had need and to some of the widows that were really uh, impoverished and, and they had some needs. And they realized that the need was getting bigger and bigger and so they decided to appoint seven people to be able to take care of that specific need. And so brothers select seven men who are well respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom and we will give them this responsibility. You can read the rest of the story in Acts chapter six there but they appointed some to actually serve. And one of those people they appointed to serve, his name was Stephen. And Stephen grew in his serving. He didn't just stay the way that he was, but he grew in his service. So he was serving tables, but later on he ended up actually preaching the word of God, which ended up costing his life as well. But he grew in his service. If you look at the example of Peter, when, when Jesus first called Peter, Jesus used Peter in a very simple way. He said, Peter, can I borrow your boat? He took what Peter had and said, Peter, step one, can I use your boat? And Peter said, yes, and Jesus got on the boat, went out into the water, and he started to preach and teach, right? That was the first step for Peter. And as Peter started to grow in his serving, then Jesus, one time when there was a big crowd, and they, Jesus had them sit down and he was ready to multiply the, the loaves and the fishes. What did he tell Peter? Hey, Peter, here's some fish, here's some bread. Can you go and distribute it? Peter's now serving a little bit more. First, it was Peter using his boat. Then it was Peter being entrusted with the loaves and the fishes along with some of the other disciples to go out and, and give that out. And, and Peter had some hiccups in the road. When Jesus was, was betrayed, Peter also betrayed Jesus right? There are other times when, when Peter started to grow, as he, as he started to serve, Peter started to grow in his apprenticeship to Jesus. And finally, you see, as he continues to grow in, in, as Peter was serving on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus died and rose again and the Holy Spirit came down, Peter preached an amazing and wonderful message that 3,000 people gave their lives to follow Jesus. Friends, we need to continue to grow as we serve, Right? And Jesus made pathways for that to happen. This young man, John, he started to connect in the church. He started to serve in different ministries at church as he started to grow in his apprenticeship to Jesus. And he started to serve in different areas and he started to get a burden for what it means to serve Jesus and what it means to be a follower of the Lord. Number four and the last one is apprentice. So you, you, we, 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 start, we start off this journey following Jesus, and this last aspect is to apprentice or disciple, to make disciples. And, and for Peter, it looked a little bit like this. After Jesus uh, died and rose again and Peter had betrayed Jesus, then Jesus comes to Peter on the shores. Peter had gone back fishing, and then Jesus comes to Peter, and he asks him this question, Peter, do you love me? It says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these. He says, yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. And then what does Jesus say to Peter? Then feed my lambs. Go and apprentice others into the way. Go and apprentice others to the way of Jesus. Share the love of God with, with, with others. Connect in community. Serve. And then finally, apprentice others or make disciples. This young man, John, that I told you about, 
He eventually, as he uh, grew, as he, as he saw the love of God, as he started to serve, as he started to connect, uh, and as he was in this mentoring relationship, and then eventually he decided to give his life to serve Jesus in full-time ministry. And I'm not saying that that's the goal. It's just an example of this because it's not the goal. The goal is disciple-making disciples, is, is that other disciples would in turn create other disciples. And so maybe that, that the first step was him apprenticing and that mentorship relationship that I was able to have with him. But my hope is that afterwards that that would continue to replicate and the ripple effect would continue to go, go, go. And who knows what the Lord will do with that. Friends, it's so important to be able to make disciples. I want to show you a video real quick before I close. I showed this video about a year ago on a mission Sunday, but it's very appropriate for this message about what it means to be a disciple and how we can disciple others. Because our vision statement is touching our world through Jesus, one life at a time. And you might think, I don't have any talents. I don't have any ability. How am I supposed to apprentice someone else? How am I supposed to make disciples? I can't do it. Well, you have, the, remember, you have the, the promise of Jesus's presence and you only need to start with 10 people, right? No, you only need to start with one. I asked you that about a year ago, who is that one? I'm gonna ask you that again today, who is your one? Watch this video. Would you rather be given $1 million or one penny doubled every day for 30 days? You remember this question from math class, right? This is when we all learned the power of compound interest and exponential growth. At the end of 30 days, that doubled penny becomes just over $5 million. Turns out, the same concept applies to missions. Imagine you filled a football stadium with 100,000 people for a gospel outreach event, and 20% of them came to know Christ. That day, 20,000 people would come into the kingdom. If you did that every day for a year, over 7 million people would come to faith. That sounds pretty great, right? Here's the question though. If you kept that pace of 7 million people each year, how long would it take to reach the world's population of 8 billion people? Over 1,000 years, 1,095 to be exact. A 100,000 person outreach event every day for 1,000 years? From a pure number standpoint, mass evangelism will not reach the world for Christ in our lifetime. What about a different strategy inspired by that original math problem? Instead of preaching to 100,000 people every day, suppose you made one disciple each year, focused on their development, and equipped them to make their own new disciple every year. At the end of the first year, you would have two followers of Jesus, you and your disciple. At the end of the second year, you would have four, eight the third year, 16 the fourth, and so on, 32, 64, 128. How many years would it take to disciple the world using this strategy? 34 years. Do the math. Something profound happens when we take a multiplication mindset. In the Great Commission, Jesus tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He continues by instructing us to teach those disciples to obey everything he commanded us. What was his final command? Go and make disciples. So our role is to make disciples that obey the command to make disciples that obey the command to make disciples. We're to go to all nations and make disciple-making disciples. That's multiplication. 
Reach the few in order to reach the many. What if you didn't feel the burden to preach to an entire village or city or country, but instead were faithful to the simple multiplication principles of the Great Commission? The entire world could be discipled in our generation if we started with just one. What about you? How might God want you to be involved in making disciples that make disciples, in seeing movements of Jesus among every tribe, tongue, people, and nation? Would you rather fill a stadium every day for the next thousand years, or commit to making one disciple this year? Let's do this together, until all have heard, starting with discipling one. So, who's your one? Uh, can we go to the last slide, Chris? Who's your one? Who are you discipling today? That's the question I asked you at the beginning, and I want you to think about that today. Who are you apprenticing to Jesus? Or would you rather have the other one? Do you, you want to, like, let's fill a stadium, 100,000 people every single day for 365 days in the year? Is that a better pathway? You guys in for that? Would you be in for just making one disciple this year? Yes? Is that more manageable? Remember, we have the promise of his presence that's with us. Friends, this wasn't bait and switch. There wasn't, hey, I'll, I'll give you a really good life. Hey, maybe at the end, can you just make some disciples for me as well as a little payoff? No. He said it right from the beginning. This is the purpose. This is the goal. Why? Because as more and more people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, there is less people in hell and more people in heaven for all of eternity. And isn't that an amazing thing? The more people that come to know Jesus can experience life and life in all of its abundance and fullness. I'll just close the worship team. I'll close just telling you a story about a man named Nasser. Uh, and if you go to the notes page uh, of our, uh, on our website for today's message, I've linked the podcast called Maverick Podcast. I think I've told you about it before. But this comes from season two, episode nine of the Maverick Podcast. I highly encourage you to listen to the whole season. It just tells an amazing and wonderful story of how Jesus is moving all around the world and bringing people to himself. But there was this man named Nasser, and Nasser uh, was committed to his faith, committed and dedicated to following the way that he thought was the way. And as he started to listen to the radio, he started to hear someone that, uh, share about Jesus and share about the way of Jesus. And as he started to do that and hear a number of other things, he started to look back at his own religion and look back at his own faith and realize there's a number of things that were actually wrong in that. And so Nasser started continued to listen to that radio broadcast and eventually gave his life to Jesus and became a follower of Jesus. And then he started to share that good news with his friends and his family. And after a few years, 21 of his friends and family became followers of Jesus. He went to a local church that was in that region, in that country, and he wanted to be discipled by somebody there in the church. Well, the church was scared of him because they didn't know, they, they were scared that he was actually a government agent coming undercover to try to out them. And so they said, no, we're not, we, we can't disciple you, you can't be part of our church. And so Nasser didn't have anyone, didn't have any church community at all. And so eventually there was a young man named Tim he had come from the United States and he had a burden as a, as a missionary, as an international worker to share the love of Jesus to this people group to this, in this nation. 
And he got in contact with this organization that was doing these radio broadcasts. And as he, uh, as he contacted this organization, they said, yeah, we have two people that we'd really like you to, uh, to meet that have contacted us. One was a, a young college professional, and the other was this 62-year-old old man named Nasser. And Tim thought right away, well, I should probably go with this young college professional because there's going to be a lot of fruit that comes from this eventually. But as he sat and as he prayed to the Lord, the Lord told him specifically, no, go to Nasser. And so Tim went and he met with Nasser and he shared the life of Jesus with Nasser. And Tim just committed to loving, serving, and discipling and mentoring Nasser for the next few weeks, months, and years. And Nasser said that as he was discipled, as he was apprenticed by Tim, that he started to understand the word of God. He said he called Tim his spiritual father, even though there was a large age gap between them, and Tim was much younger. He called Tim his spiritual father and said through his teachings, through his mentorship, he was able to understand the word of God, interpret the word of God, learn how to listen to Jesus. In 11 months, he went from 22 followers of Jesus to 2,845 people that had committed their life to Jesus and were baptized in the name of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And they had small groups that they would meet, and each small group didn't know about the other small group. They had hundreds of small groups that would meet, and each one didn't know about the other because of the persecution that could arise from that. So if one small group was found out by the government, well, they couldn't give up the information of the other small groups. But each person in that small group was committed to being a disciple-making disciple to go out and share the love of Jesus, to go out and connect, to go out and serve, to go out and apprentice others to the way of Jesus. Who are you discipling today?